And the title of my message tonight is Connect Four. And I do have four points, but I've only got through three twice. So I love you, Christian. Christian was the first to yell out, you can do it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I realize point four is an entire message in itself. So I'm going to do it next week. So, but I'm not going to change the title to Connect Three. So still Connect Four. You just have to come back next week for part two. So come with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Second, I hope you came expecting tonight. Anybody come expecting tonight? I've got to tell you, this atmosphere is pregnant with faith. Uh, the most beautiful thing about church is that uh, th there, is, there is no other place on the earth that, that uh, has the, the title that has the reputation of being the gate of heaven. Jacob said, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. How awesome is this place? I want you to know that when you walk into this house, even though you, you, you can be mesmerized by the, the lights and the sound and the screens and the coffee and the fun and all that kind of stuff, we, we don't do all of that trying to hype up something that has no power. We, we, we know that we, to us, that is just the accompaniments. When, when you go to, when you go to uh, Roos Chris, when, when you go to a, a good steakhouse, how many people know that you, you want some good accompaniments? You, you want some good, nice potatoes, and especially their sweet potato that tastes like a dessert. You've you got to have, so we know, we know all of that, all of that is just the, what accompanies the power of God. When you walk into this house, we determine we, we don't want to be just a church location where you check the box. We want to be a place where you can access heaven, where heavenly entities become earthly realities, where you can walk in and the doctors have given you three months to live. But you walk into this place and Jesus taught the disciples to pray. And he says, when you pray, say, our Father, not, not, not a great capricious potentate in heaven that requires certain things. He's not Allah who requires five times a day that you pray facing Mecca, but do not expect him to answer your prayer for you are just a man. We, we, we pray to our Father. And a father gives good gifts to his children. A father hearkens to the cry of his child. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You need to understand there's nobody terminal in heaven. There's nobody blind in heaven. There's nobody lame in heaven. There's nobody leprous in heaven. There's nobody with a broken heart in heaven. There's nobody disabled in heaven. There's nobody, there's nobody deaf in heaven. And there is a place, there is a place on the earth that is the gate of heaven where there is a transaction where the supernatural can begin to flow. I'm not interested in playing church. I'm interested in people having an encounter with the living God. When you come into this house, when you come into this house, fill up your expectation for an encounter with the living God. And that's all i got to say about that. But anyway, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If any man, if any man be in Christ, he is a, a new creation. Old things have, behold, all things become. Come on, I love that. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Next week is baptism night. You need to sign up for baptism. If you have not been water baptized, sign up for baptism. Baptism is, is more than just being dunked. It's more than just getting wet. You can get wet at the beach. You can get wet at the pool. It's more than just getting wet. You may say, well, you know, I got sprinkled as a little baby. You know, they sprinkle water on me. Or, you know, I did it. I've already been baptized. I went to a youth camp when I was little. And, you know, that's awesome. But if, if today you're struggling, if today there's stuff from your past, because it's a picture of when God delivered Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand and he was taking them into the promised land. The Bible says the very thing he delivered them from was pursuing them. Pharaoh had all of his soldiers, all of his warriors, all of his chariots and horsemen chasing the children of Israel to bring them back into the same bondage, to bring them back into the same repeat cycle that they had for 400 years. You will find that you get saved, but there's a lot of stuff chasing you from your past, old habits, old manners, old things, trying to pull you back. And the Bible says that, that God opened up the Red Sea. The Bible teaches in Romans 4 that this is a symbol of baptism. When they went into the Red Sea, guess who went in after them? Pharaoh's warriors. Pharaoh's soldiers. The entire army of Egypt went in after them. But guess what? Only the children of Israel came up out of the other side. As the last Israelites stepped out the, the, the Red Sea on the other side, God caused the entire sea to close in and drown everything that was trying to pull them back. That's what happens when you get baptized. You don't come up wet, you come up changed. You don't come up wet, you come up delivered. You don't just come up wet, you come up with the power of everything that was chasing you left back in there so you can move forward. So I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but somebody needs to sign up for baptism next week. Amen. So it goes on in that scripture that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. So I want to give you three out of the four points tonight. The first one is, and these are all connect that God wants you to connect to your life tribe. Number one is your life tribe. Your life tribe. You, you, you are meant to do life in a tribe. You're meant to do life with your people. You're meant to do life with other people. I'm not sure if you've ever met an isolated Christian. They are weird. They, 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 are, they are overcooked. I'm not sure. Uh, overly say. I'm not sure. But, some people say they are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly value. They, they, they can't have a conversation. Everything's spiritual and everything's weird. You can't talk about the weather and you can't say, hey, man, you know, do you like steak? And they answer, the kingdom is not in food and drink. <laughs> like they can't. You're just like, oh, dear God. Like I just can't. Weird people. Our, our internship program, we... We want to, come on, how many interns have we got? We want, to, we want to raise a next generation of powerhouse leaders. So absolutely, you, you better believe that, that I want them to, to, to learn Scripture and theology. But we realize that, that the church is about people. A number of years ago, I, I read a book, and this is the first book I said is mandatory reading. It's called The Starbucks Experience. Starbucks experience. And you open up, it's written by Howard Schultz, the founder of Starbucks. You open up on the very first page, it says, Starbucks is not in the coffee business. And when you read that, you're like, dang, that's right. Because <laughs> when you've tasted their coffee, they got no idea what the heck they're doing. 
But then, then it's like, well, hang on a minute. Well, what business are they in then? Because there's a mermaid making coffee, on, and that's probably with a mess. Let's find a half fish, half woman. Get her to make coffee. What could go Anyway, and so I'm not sure if that's it. But anyway, they, um, so, so you turn the page, and it says Starbucks is in the people business. Do you know too many churches are in the theology business? We're not in the theology business. We're in the people business. We're in the people industry. If, if you want to change the world, seven, highly, seven Habits of Highly Effective People is a must read. If you want to change the world, how to win friends and influence people is a must read. That they are, they are on the required reading list for anybody that wants to be, because you need to understand you've got to learn how to get on with people. You've got to learn how to get on with people. Now, I say all of that to say this, that just of recent, I don't want to point and, you know, kind of call out any names, but somebody in my family has been leaving his wetsuits on our outside wooden table. And so my wife was very, very mad because it had left stains, saltwater stains in the wood. And so somebody had to drive down to Home Depot and ask him, how on earth do we remove the stains? And the answer was that you need to get an orbital sander, which I have, and you got to get sandpaper. How deep are the stains? And when I told them, they said, you got to use this sandpaper. The sandpaper was unbelievably rough and, and had like really heavy grit. And I said, what will this do? And they said, not only will it remove the stains, but it'll give it a nice smooth finish. I said, hang on, no, 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 it's rough. He said, exactly. And the rough sandpaper, the rougher the sandpaper, the smoother the finish. The rougher the sandpaper, the smoother. See, there are some people in church who are going to rub you up the wrong way. They, they, they are going to agitate. They're going to be, but God uses the rough things to make you smooth. God, see, because a lot of people say, well, you, you know, look, I just want to be a Christian. I just don't like church. I, I want to be a Christian. I don't like church. Like if, I, if, if you said to me, hey, Pastor, I want you to come to my house. I just don't like your wife. I ain't coming over because we're a package deal. That's the same as saying, hey, Jesus, I like you. Just don't like your bride, the church. It's a package deal. Now, hang on, hang on, hang on. You don't understand. I got hurt in church. I got, I got hurt snowboarding. I love snowboarding. I got food poisoning in a restaurant. I still eat out. Like, like, like at some point, you just got to build a bridge. At some point, like life is going to, and, and here's the thing. I actually don't believe that, that God wants the church to be perfect. Now, now, I'm not saying that he's not perfecting us in the church. Because the Bible says that, that, that we need to put our eyes on Jesus. He's the perfect one. If the church became perfect, we'd take our eyes from Jesus onto the church. Almost everyone that I know that's kind of left Jesus is because the church wasn't perfect. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the church was, and because of the perfection of the church. Nowhere does it say that. That's why the Bible says, lift up your eyes and put it on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, because he's the perfect one. The rest of us, we're jacked up. Do you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say this about Noah. Nowhere does it say, and Noah was an expert builder of ships. Before him and after him, there was none like him. His architectural and engineering skills were second to none. He could build a vessel that could float through any kind of deluge. Now, where does it say that? 
Noah had ne never built a freaking boat before when God says, build an ark. He's never done it before. He said, yes, yes, you could turn up, you know, Summer Peterson with her, with her little uh, legal pad pointing out all the faults. You could turn up and you could say, you could say, well, there's a leak over here. And, you know, he, he didn't even bevel the edges. How can you have an ark without beveling the edges? Anybody knows you've got to bevel the edges. But you know what? When I read my Bible, there was only one ship that was floating after 40 days, 40 nights of deluge, 200 foot tidal waves. Now, absolutely knock yourself out, be critical, but you better be able to tread water for 365 days in 200 foot tidal wave seas. Otherwise, get on the boat and understand there's going to be a few leaks. There's going to be a few little issues. That's the church. The church ain't perfect, but it's amazing. God has put it in the trust of man. He gave Noah, who was a novice, none of our pastors are leaders. Now, you know, I go to, to leadership conferences and leadership seminars, and I always feel disqualified. Because you go to these places, Pastor Shane, and they'll say something like, you know, you can't lead people where you've never been yourself. I'm like, oh, man. I've got to go and hand my resignation in. Because that's where I live. I've never led a, led, a, led a church with more than five campuses. I've never led a church that's got more than 7,000 people and never led a church with, you know. I'm continually leading where I've never been myself. Like I'm continually just following Him, trusting Him and saying, I think, I think Jesus knows where He's going. He did say He is the way, the truth, and the life. So far, so far in following him, it's done pretty good. Just keep. But you know what? People are going to make mistakes. People are going to drop the ball. People are going to get calls wrong. But still, there's, I, I believe that God uses the, the, the sandpaper, the imperfections of the church to perfect us. If people never dropped the ball or hurt me or got a call wrong, I'd never have to exercise the muscle of forgiveness. And I never had to learn how to forgive except people got it wrong. Hang in there. God is, God is bigger than that fault. God is bigger than that issue. God, and I'm not trying to make excuses for the team, but I'm just saying, I know none of our team want to intentionally make mistakes, but understand Jesus is the perfect one. That's why the Bible says, put your eyes on Jesus. Don't put your eyes on the church. Put your eyes on Jesus. Get planted in the church, but put your eyes on Jesus. Plant yourself in the soil of the church, but put your eyes on Jesus. Can somebody say Amen. Let me just say this, doubling down a little bit further. Life tribe, your life tribe. Uh, they say, there's a saying that, that uh, life moves at the speed of relationship. Life moves at the speed of relationship. May I say this to you, that, that uh, relationship is an accelerator in your life. How's it an accelerator? Well, Proverbs 32 verse 30 says this, that if one puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight. If one puts a thousand, you would think two, math, two would put 2,000 to flight. But the Bible teaches that no, 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 one puts a thousand, but two multiplies 10,000. This is, this is proven because they've taken oxen in uh, you know, various fairs and counties and stuff where they have a competition to see whose oxen can pull the most weight. And you know, I remember 
reading about one where it pulled 2.2 tons and the one that came second pulled 2.1 tons. So they decided to hitch them together. And you would think if you put those two together, it's 4.3 tons, but they, they pulled almost seven tons because of an, an accelerator, because of a multiplication factor. By yourself, absolutely, you may have, but together, together, the power of together, the power of unity. The Bible says this, iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. There is something more powerful when you do life with other people. You need to do life with other people. How many people know that 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, how many people are grateful about that? I'm so great. I'm so grateful that every time I've messed up that I can go to Jesus who when I confess my sins, forgives me and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I love that. That's awesome. Except I find, man, I'm back in the same freaking mess again. Man, I'm messed up in the same sin again. Because forgiveness is not just vertical. There's a horizontal factor. The horizontal factor is very, very different because I actually find it very easy to talk to God about stuff because God is not a human. He doesn't gossip. He is brilliant with confidences. Everything I've told him, he's never repeated. I like that. Humans, not so much. But the Bible says in James 5.16, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So when I confess my sins to God, he forgives me and cleanses me. But healing and closure only happens when I find people trustworthy enough, when I find people that love and care for me enough that I can share my trespasses one to another. Man, can you pray for me? I'm really struggling in this area. Man, I'm really, that's why Emerge has been so successful because after every night session, men around the campfire sharing their struggles, finding that, wow, the same stuff the devil's tempting me with, he's tempting, man, can you pray for me? And men confess their trespasses one to another. They pray for one another and they find healing and closure. The devil just wants you being forgiven and cleansed, but never healed, never delivered, never have that thing closure. So he isolates. The wolf and the lion always go after the isolated sheep. The devil in the scripture is both referred to as a wolf and as a lion. And the wolf and the lion only go after isolated sheep. Don't be an isolator. Don't be an isolator. You know, when, when we were starting the church, uh, I said to one of my best friends in New Zealand, Pastor John Cameron, I said, you know, he pastors a great church, a rise church. I said, John, give me one key. Give me one key. Look, if you could give me one thing, because if you give me two, I forget. So just give me one. And he says, uh, he says, build the systems and the systems will build the church. I said, that's brilliant. I'm writing it down. Build the systems. Systems build the church. So we started building systems. We want a discipleship system. We want a assimilation system. When people get, we started building systems. Systems are awesome. Systems are awesome. But about maybe a year and a half into it, God just said, hey, your systems are good. You know, well done. He says, but people aren't looking for systems. The, 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 the desperation and the desperate cry of the human heart, like exacerbated in the 21st century, is for connection. People are longing for connection. You may have 10,000 Facebook likes, but you need to understand that the biggest organ in the human body is the skin. And your skin has millions and millions of nerve endings. You were created to touch 
and be touched. The power of a hug, the power of being held, the power of someone putting their arm on your shoulder, a pat on the back. When you're, when you're struggling and you close your eyes and you lift your hand at the time of prayer where we're praying for the book of miracles to feel from, from, from hands on you. You feel like, man, it's going to be all right. There's something about it. Adolf Hitler did, did, a, did a, an experiment because he wanted to raise an army that felt no mercy. He wanted to raise an army that, that, that saw compassion and empathy as weakness to be eliminated. And the only way that he could get around this was he thought the problem with human beings is that that they are coddled from birth. What if? And so they did experiments where babies were born and they, 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 when they cried, no one was allowed to pick them up. No one was allowed to coddle them and comfort them and hold them and touch them. He thought that by doing this, he would raise an army of warriors who could kill on command without engaging empathy or emotion or compassion. Instead, what he found was none of these children lived beyond the age of four or five years. All of them died of disease and malady because they found that there's something about touch that you and I need to. People are desperate for connection. Now, let me just say this. God, the Bible says, created a garden. And there he put the man whom he had formed to tend and keep the garden. It's very easy to believe that God was creating Adam because he needed a worker. Let me just say this. God did not create you and I to be Oompa Loompas. Now I know, I know Willy Wonka had a chocolate factory. Somebody had to run the freaking factory. So he imported Oompa Loompas. Oompa Loompa Doompa Dee Doo. I have another puzzle for you. What do you get when you gobble down sweets? Eating as much as an elephant eats. You and I don't pull up. God did not make Adam because he's scratching his head in heaven saying, Gabriel, I need somebody to run this factory. I know, I'll make my own little green men. Let's call them Oompa Loompas. No, men? Okay, let's call them man. God didn't create you because he wanted a worker. God created you because he wanted family. When you are born again, you enter a family. You enter a community. Family is good. Family is going to shape you. Family is going to accelerate you. Family is going to empower you. You need other people in your life. Can somebody say amen? Adam needed connection. The first thing God said wasn't good was for man to be alone. First thing God said was not good was for man to be alone. So he says, I'm going to make a helper comparable to you. And out of his side, he brings the woman. And Adam's first thing is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. She shall be called womb man, for she was taken out of man. It's interesting because if you look at that time, Adam was not alone. Adam wasn't alone. He had God. The Bible says that God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day. This is how we know the God of the Bible is not the God of all the other religions. All the other religions, you read about their God, he's insecure, he's capricious. Is not the God of the Bible. Only a God of the Bible who's so secure in himself can look down at Adam who he created, who he walks with in the cool of the day. Puts his arm around his boy. And Adam didn't say, Daddy, I'm lonely. Papa, I like hanging out with you, but man, I sure wish it. Adam didn't even notice because he's a man. Men don't notice things. <laughs> Every time I go to the pantry, Leanne, where's the peanut butter? Because it's right in front. No, it's not. Oh, hang on. You know, it's like, I don't know what it is. If it's right in front of me, I don't see it. Adam, did, Adam, didn't, Adam didn't know. It was God. It was God that said, you know what? 
it's not good. Watch this. Watch, watch how awesome God is. God looked down and said, it's not good that man should be alone. Listen, this is what God said. This is going to freak you out. This is what God said. Literally, he's saying, hey, Adam, I am not enough. It's going to mess your theological head. For God to say it's not good for man to be alone, Adam wasn't alone. He walked with God every day in the cool of the day. God was saying to Adam, this is how secure God is. Adam, I'm not enough. You need not just this interaction. You also need this interaction. You need other people in your life. If you're not in a connect group, get in a connect group. No connect group's perfect. The imperfections of the connect group will perfect you. It'll teach you. It'll shape you. It is so good for you. You need other people in your life. Can somebody say amen? You were created to do life with other people. All right. Number two. Oh, dear Jesus. Number two. We need to connect to God's life flow. God's life flow. The beautiful thing about the kingdom of heaven is there's a flow. When you come into this house, there's a flow. And it's a flow of life. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, it was interesting. The Bible says after they sinned, they realized they were naked. Like you'd actually been naked for quite some time. But now that, now that their mind had become sin conscious, all of a sudden they become self-conscious. And they'd never, they'd never felt shame, but now they feel shame. They feel, and so they go and they sew fig leaves together. And then the Bible says the Lord God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day again. Adam, where are you? And, and the Bible says they're hiding amongst the trees, trying to blend in. He's like, Adam, what are you doing, man? Oh, nothing. What's with the freaking fig leaves? Fashion. That's not, it looks silly. You look like, no, take it off. No, no, fashion. It's not fashion. The interesting thing is the fig leaf, the fig leaf was actually a powerful picture of what was going on with Adam and Eve. Because the fig leaf once was connected to a tree. But when they disconnected it from the tree to sew it together to make a covering for themselves, it was always going to be temporal. Because if you were to look under a microscope at the fig leaf, the, the ends of the leaf were already beginning to brown and curl up because it had been disconnected from the source. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were severed from God. Sin separates us from God. That's why it brings death. In the day that you shall eat it, you shall surely die. Adam lived to 950. The Bible says a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. In the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. He didn't make it. Because separated, death was already on the inside of man. So Jesus came, and the most beautiful thing is you can be born again. The moment you are born again, the spirit of the living God boom, 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 comes on the inside of you, and you are born again. When you are born again, you have everlasting life. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? The moment you are born again, you have eternal life. I'm not waiting till I die and hope I have eternal life right now. Right now, there is a flow from heaven. There is a flow of the Spirit of God flowing. You, you, you want to be. Now, some of our youth, how many youth were at the youth camp over the week? Uh, we had some youth at our youth camp over the week. And, and uh, what was awesome was I just love our leadership. Uh, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, Brad and Anya Jones, and just some of our great leaders were down there. But the problem was 
that we were with a whole bunch of other youth groups and we weren't running the camp. We were just, just uh, participating in the camp. And the people who were running the camp decided that, well, you know, the book of Acts is not really for today. And, you know, when you read about the book of Acts and, you know, when the Bible says, you know, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, you know, that's, that's not, you know, that's not, you know, literal. That's not for today. We don't need healings and miracles today. You know, gifts are not for today. And so, so literally Jesus says, I'm going to send you a helper. Send you a helper. Because he's telling the disciples I'm going to heaven. They're like, no, I don't go, man. He's like, it's to your advantage that I go. They're like, how's it to your, our advantage? He's like, well, unless I go, I can't send the promise of the Father. But when I get there, I'm sending the promise of the Father. And he'll be like me. But it'll be me and the Father coming to live in him. And all three of us will be in you. And in that day, you'll be in me. And I'll be in you. And you'll be welcome. And then on that day, you can ask whatever you like. And man, it'll be done. And the miracles I do, just believe. Just a miracle. You'll do even greater miracles than that. And they're like, they're just, they didn't get it. So he says, I'm going to send you a helper. Today, we got people in leadership over the church saying, Jesus, we hear you're sending a helper, but hey, we got this. We don't need no helper. We got theology. No, no, let me just tell you, I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Spirit. Now, now let me just tell you, people say, well, you know, look, God the Father, He's cool. The Son, we like Him. Holy Spirit, can't trust him. Let him loose in your church. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be mayhem. And then they tell me, you know, in church growth seminars, you know, look, what, the last thing you want to do is, you know, allow the Holy Spirit expression. Like if you get up there and speak in other languages, you're going to turn off visitors. So if I get up, you're going to turn off people because they don't understand what you're saying. Dumb it down a little. Dumb it right down. Do you know, two years ago, I took Leanne for our 25th wedding anniversary on a Rhine River cruise. We started in Basel, Switzerland. We went up to Baisach and then through Strasbourg, which is in France, and then all the way up to, to Amsterdam. That's where we finished. It was awesome, 10 days. Uh, almost every single day, Leanne had no idea what people were saying. Not once did she say, that's it, we're leaving. <laughs> I don't understand what they're saying. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to understand God, God never just fills you to the top. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, and the Lord God is a careful pourer. <laughs> no, Gabriel, I don't want to waste anything. Almost to the top is as far as we go. The Bible says, David speaking, he says, he fills my cup to overflowing. Now, it's not that God isn't God of, you know, I, want, I like messy tablecloths. But God will always fill you to overflowing. So when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be filled to overflowing. So out of the overflow, your mouth is going to speak languages you never learned. Because God wants to, you to understand that I'm going to take you into a dimension that goes beyond your education, that goes beyond your experience, that goes beyond your upbringing, that goes beyond your history. I'm going to bring you into a dimension that is a supernatural dimension. And you're now in the Holy Spirit have access. Paul says there are three kinds of tongues. The tongues of men, the tongues of angels, and unknown tongues. The Bible says he who speaks in a tongue does not speak speak to men but speaks to God so when you see in the in the the, the, the time where we're praying over the prayer request you'll hear people and, and people say wow they, they shouldn't be they got to be an interpreter no no it's only if I get up here and say church I've got a message and if I speak in tongues in the message that's inter that's when it needs interpreting but when some the Bible says if any man prays in tongues let him pray that there's an interpreter or 
pray be silent in the church and let him pray to speak to himself and to God for indeed he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man it's none of your beeswax he utters mysteries in the spirit so when when you see people in personal prayer it's it's permission knock yourself out I'm not trying to dumb it down so that you know hey what's the lowest common denominator let's dumb church down to that level now I want people to come and go man what is this place because we, we better have some power when someone comes in and they'll be given six weeks to live we better have some power when people cannot conceive and they keep miscarrying there better be some power there better, better, better be some life flow when we're in here so I want you, I want you to have permission. Because listen, when, the, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, now i got to be honest with you, I pray a little bit in English, but I pray a lot in the Holy Ghost. Because He knows what I need more than I know what I need. So He who speaks in a tongue, when you pray in tongues, you speak mysteries. It was a mystery how on earth this thing was going to work. So hang on, I'm going to leave my dying mama. I'm going to leave everything that I know. And I'm going to move to San Diego where I know nobody. And the, 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 the funding that was there that got halved, got halved again. So I've got to put 100 grand on our mortgage to move over. And then there's no guarantees. First Sunday, at least I know that Leanne and I and our three boys are going to be there because I'll paddle their little backsides if they don't turn up. <laughs> so I know there's going to be five there. But there are, no, there are no guarantees. There was no, but I knew, I just knew that I could speak mysteries. That when you speak in tongues, you utter mysteries. It was a mystery, but that's God's dimension. So whenever you pray in tongues, the mystery of man, am I ever going to get married? How's this ever going to? Can I just tell you the beautiful gift, the Holy Spirit was sent to be your helper. He will lead you into all truth. He'll remind you of all the things that I taught you. The Holy Ghost is your helper. This is a church where we understand our desperate need on the Holy Ghost. This is a Holy Ghost church. I want you to have a Holy Ghost experience. I want you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to have an unfair advantage when you go into the marketplace. I want you to operate in the supernatural dimension. We want to raise a generation of Josephs, of Daniels, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednegoes that operate in a supernatural dimension in the marketplace. So we believe in the Holy Ghost. So, so that's the second one. The third one, the last one, oh dear Jesus, the last one is connect to your life tribe, connect to God's life flow. But number one, connect to your God future. Connect to your God future. I haven't left enough time on this one, so let, let me try and hurry it for you. Romans 4.17 says that God speaks those things that are not as though they are. In the ESV, the ESV, the English Standard Version, it says this, that God calls those things into existence that do not exist. God calls those things into existence which do not exist. Romans 4.17. The Bible says the Lord knows the end of a thing from the beginning. God knows the end of a thing from the beginning. If you're creating anything, whether it's a piece of art, whether it's a car, whether it's a phone, whatever you're creating, you've got to first design the schematics and the diagram. You've got to design with the end in mind and then you back up to the beginning and then you get the materials and you put the structures and everything in place to get to the end. So God knows the end of a thing from the beginning. Everything in life moves from the invisible to the visible. Okay, you didn't catch that. Everything in life moves from the invisible to the visible. My iPhone, before it was visible in my hand, 
existed in the invisible realm of Steve Jobs' mind. Before my children went on one ride at Disneyland, before they could see the roller coaster at Disneyland, you go back 50 years, it existed in the mind of Walt Disney. It existed in the invisible, and now you once existed in the invisible realm. Before the seed of your father met the egg of your mother, the Bible teaches us that you were in the mind of God. You were in the mind of God. God wanted one of you and He made one of you. You're here now. But even there, the the seed and the egg is so small, the human eye can't see it. The Bible says you were knit together in the secret place, in the womb, you were in the invisible, you were in the unseen realm, and now you've come out into the seen realm. Everything in life moves from the hidden or the unseen into the seen. So the most powerful success scripture in the entire universe is Hebrews 11.1. Hebrews 11.1 says this. It says, now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Now watch this. God lives outside of time. God is a trinity. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Time, because it was created by God, is a trinity. Because everything God creates reflects Him. So time is past, present, and future. What God does is He has a future for you. He has a future for you. How do you know that? Jeremiah 29, 11. Glad you asked. Jeremiah 29, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Good thoughts, not evil. To give you a, come on, to give you a future and a, and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. You'll always find that hope and future are in the same sentence, two sides of the same coin. The devil is so shrewd, he knows that that your future is a God future, but for him to take down your future, all he's got to do is steal your hope. Because if he takes your hope, he bankrupts your future. You can live 40 days without food, you can live three days without water, but you can't live one moment without hope. The devil is the great hope thief. Every suicide happens not because, but because they ran out of hope. Hope is that tomorrow will be better than today. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. God is a God of hope. You better believe that in this church, the pastors that we raise up, the leaders that preach and minister from this pulpit have an assignment and that is to carry the DNA of heaven. The DNA of heaven is what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But the three things that remain is faith, hope, and love. All preaching must inspire faith, hope, and love. But hope by itself, hope is, man, I hope that I get married. Man, I I hope that things work out. Man, I hope that God can use me. Hope by itself is fragile. So what God does is out in eternity, in your future, God reaches back and He deposits into your spirit a thing called faith. Faith. Faith is a now thing. It's what you operate in the now to draw you into your future, into your destiny. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now faith. Faith is the, is the substance. It's tangible. When we came to San Diego, they said, you know, uh, you know what, what's the plans? I said, man, I had this weird dream, a baseball diamond. And I said to God, you want me to, you want me to play baseball? He's like, no, no. Oh. Gabriel, this is, 
that's who we got to work with. Okay, no, um, yeah, no, uh, one church, four locations. Listen, I would have been happy with one church, one location. This is one church, four locations. So I had all the experts tell me how, you know, San Diego's got no zoning. You can't, you know, this, you, got, you need a CUP, conditional use permit to operate for church. You can't, there's no, and then it's expensive. It's really expensive. You can't, they're not, the city doesn't like giving up its tax revenue. You can't. So I just, I just ignored what they said because God put faith in my spirit that he was building the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so I didn't know, need to know how when you know who. You don't need to know how when you know who. But watch this. If, if you set out to buy a million dollar home, let me just tell you, you don't need a million dollars. You don't need a million dollars. You say, well, how, how can I get a million dollar home if I don't have a million dollars? Really simple. You don't need a million dollars. You just need a deposit. You don't need a million dollars to get a million dollar home. You just need a deposit. The Bible says that faith is the substance it's the deposit it's the when you rock up to the bank and you say that's the house I want here's the deposit the bank already sets the wheels in motion God puts faith in your spirit faith is, is like a like a fishing rod like a reel that goes into your future and begins to reel the future. Now you're going to go through some obstacles and you're going to go through some tests, but it will reel your future so, so that the Bible says Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope, believed God. Not considering, Romans 4, not considering the deadness of his body being almost 100 years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. While she was young, the factory wasn't operating. Now she's 89 and he's 99. But the Bible says Abraham being fully persuaded that what God had spoken, he was able to perform and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And at a hundred years of age, when Sarah was 90 years of age, a little baby, almost as cute as little Noah Jürgen he was. And little Sarah at 90 is now pushing the stroller in the marketplace. The same marketplace where everyone said, yeah, how can she be blessed? Yeah, sure. You know, you know, it's a curse to not be able to produce. Yeah, she must have some hidden secrets here. I know her and Abraham look like they got the blessing of God, but I'm telling you, something's going. All the gossips now. And then they're like, trying to look in the pram and they're like, whoa, what did you have? A little boy, a little girl. She's like a little boy. What did you name him? Do you know what they named him? Well, you know what Isaac means? They named him. <laughs> they named him laughter. You'd be freaking out too if at 90, you had a baby just to shut everybody up. They said his name is Laughter. Let me just tell you this. Let me tell you this. It's a picture. It's a picture of your future. Your future. Your future will be filled with laughter. If you connect to your God future, the way you connect to your God future is through faith. You can't get faith in a college. You can get an education. You can get knowledge. The only place you get faith is in the house of God. 
the, the last time I checked, we're the only people preaching this. Last time I checked, we're the only preaching, uh, only people preaching this undiluted. I love you too much to dilute it. I love you too much to allow the culture of the world to, to compromise the Word of God. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to dumb down. I don't want to water down the faith because you may just need faith for a miracle. You may just need faith for a pregnancy. You may just need faith for a breakthrough. You may just need faith to see something shift in your life. So far be it from me for me to compromise this word just to try and be accepted by my culture. Food to all of that. I'm here to be accepted by the Word of God and by heaven. I'm here to change the culture, not appease the culture. Because I know you need faith, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When you got faith on the inside of you, it's a deposit. I knew, I knew that we were going to do four campuses. How did I know? Are you arrogant? No. I just had faith on my spirit that God had spoken it. He told me in a dream, this is what the future looks like. And so I just began to walk, knowing that I was pregnant with the promise of God, pregnant with campuses, pregnant with a dream of God. Today, I believe that God wants to put faith on the inside of you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.